1: and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or
0: visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com.
1: What's poppin'? The Logan Murdoch here at Roger Bell, their Thursday crew. Roger came to the pre-pod meeting on 15th. There were we had an outline and I we might get to it. I don't know. But Roger had some things. First of all, we got Roger? I'm gonna get Roger riled up really quickly. Um he brought it up, but I'm just gonna just we're 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 here. So Giannis a Kumbok, it's a technical foul and an ejection. Um he goes in, goes into the lane. He does he dunk on on, yeah, on yeah, Isaiah yeah. He Stewart? On he Isaiah dunks Stewart. on Isaiah yeah. Stewart, stands stand, looks at him, uh, stares him down. And gets a tech his second tech of the game gets ejected he sits on the sc- one of the, the critiques I have about his ejection uh, aside from what we're going to talk about is that he sat down on court side, but he didn't he, he wasn't he wasn't um he didn't own it he didn't own it he didn't, he didn't sit there he, I didn't believe that he was going to sit yeah. there and really cause a ruckus and he got yeah. his ass up. After yep. like 30 seconds, I wanted him to sit his ass down there for at least a good seven, eight minutes. Am I wrong? I don't, I, that's my only critique. Yeah, I would have li- I would On his that. part, on his part of the ejection, but Raja, you saw the play, you brought it up this morning. What are, what are your thoughts? Let's get
0: to it. You know, I know what everyone thinks I'm going to do, right? What movie? What movie? He built a bit of Remember, a reputation. Everybody, everybody thinks I'm going to come in here and flip out and, and start <laughs> losing my shit, um, about these refs. And I want to, but, let me let me just speak in a relatively even tone and keep this measured and just say, no one comes to the games to not see Giannis play, unless it's something absolutely egregious that you almost can't help but toss him out of the game for. Yeah did he did he stare down Isaiah Stewart? Sure. Is that a pretty emotional play considering all that kind of took place leading up to that? One hundred percent. Could a ref? swallow the whistle, and just walk the other way and let play go on? You're damn right they could. <laughs> Why the hell you got to be inserting yourself in that shit, getting getting the main ticket kicked out of the game? boy. And here's what bothered me the most, damn it. Here's what bothered me the most. Did Let's you see the affect on his face as he walked away? As Giannis, in, in utter disbelief, is walking behind him like, yo, what's going on? My man was like his face was on one as if it meant more to him than just the little interaction that took place with Isaiah Stewart, if you can dig what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I kicked that fucker out. Yeah, I kicked you out. Don't even walk over here. Like, that's what bothers me.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Now, Roger, when I saw this, and I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but in any event that we were going to talk about, I wanted to bring this up to you. And it's time for Lolo to play devil's advocate. It's it's time for me to do it. And with that being said- one of the things that I thought about was Raja complained so much about the lack of respect that non-stars get, that role players don't get. And Isaiah Stewart mm-hmm. is one of those fucking take your lunch pail to work sure. type players. One of the ones that you respect, one of the ones that has has got it out of the mud, right? And you always complain, you get up on there on these real ones airwaves and you complain about the lack of respect. That uh, these guys get uh, uh, specifically from the refs, Raja. Specifically from the refs. Have you not? Did you not go through a whole tangent even during your time with Kobe and during the back stretch? Right. And I'm not saying that I'm and that that I'm on this side, but I do need to bring it up. It seems like role players are getting a little bit more benefit of the doubt.
0: Is it you feeling like, yo, fuck that? Because we're the reps are the ops. Like, where are, we, where are you feeling? Well, let's work our way through this whole, you know, devil's advocate position that you've, that you've taken. First of all, I'm not on here complaining that role players don't get the same calls as star players. I'm merely telling you what's happening. Like, I understood my <laughs> role. Like, did it feel great all the time? No, but I clearly understood, you know, who I was on the script. Like, I'm an extra. Like, at best, a character actor. I'm not getting the same type of treatment, you know, as the headliner. I get that. So I'm not really complaining about it. I'm just illustrating that it's a real thing. Secondly, that's not like a call that a role player or someone who gets it out of the mud wants to get. Getting someone kicked out of the game for something like that. That's not the call that I want to be evened out if possible. The one I want to be evened out is when I'm going to the rack, you know, and I'm I'm trying to work my way in through three people. And if someone breathes on me the wrong way, I'd like to shoot free throws too. That's the call we want. We ain't trying to get nobody kicked out of the game for for a little ice grill after a dunk. So I would argue that that even Isaiah Stewart, in that moment as a competitor, like you're not trying to get anybody kicked out of the game, and maybe these new cats are different because I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm on here now, you know, like just all off script and straight off the dome. but I've seen some of them now, and it's a beef with me when they try to like flop and get somebody an intentional foul. Mm. Like, I'm never trying to get anybody an intentional or flagrant foul. You never flopped though, rah, rah? No, 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 no. Listen to me. Hear the difference, bro, because you're not hearing the nuances. There's a difference between flopping like on a charge or flopping on like, you know, something like that to sell a call versus flopping in a way that's going to get someone ejected from the game because you're down there acting like you got half your. Your head knocked off on on a on a foul going to the rim. Like I never understood that. Like when we played, we wasn't trying to get you kicked out of the game. Yeah. Like, and I hate to be the oh, when we played, but I just did it. Like I wasn't trying to get any of my opponents necessarily kicked out for some shit they didn't do. Now if they crossed the line, the same way if I crossed the line and we got to go, guess what? We got to go. But 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 I don't think Isaiah Stewart, even him, if you asked, should Giannis have been kicked out for that? He'd have been like, nah, man, we were we were in the middle of a good one. Like let's. You know, let's yeah.
1: let's let's shoot a let's shoot a fair one. I didn't see the game, but I saw it on like countdown last night and I saw the whole play. Yeah. And I would just that would just be like, come on, dude. Like if I'm even if I'm watching the game on League Pass or something, it's like I literally came here to see Giannis and Dame figure it out. Like, calm down. Question yeah. for you though. Yep. If you're Giannis, and I know you're petty, if you're Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> How? What are you doing? And how long are you sitting on that uh, on that court side?
0: How long are you sitting there in Giannis's position? In Giannis's position, right? Again, not as the extra in the movie, but as the clear headliner of the movie. And maybe this the guy. That Samuel the Jackson studio, to do the right I thing. Sat my Samuel ass over Jackson there. and like set Shaft De- and Denzel. Yeah, I would have sat over there until security came.
1: Who are all come your friends anyway? Would have just been like, "All right, bro, I got." You. Come on,
0: they would have been like, "Raj, come on, man, you got to go." And I'd be like, "No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving." I don't fucking want to do I'm not going work. Like I'm not because this is ridiculous. But you know, look, I get it. Some people feel me on the refs. Some, some people are like, think I'm ridiculous about the refs. It's just this again. People work too damn hard. They work too hard to to go out there and, and try to put on and and you know play in the NBA to get kicked out for shit like that. Somebody from the four one four
1: s- spent hard earned money. Probably paid for these tickets in advance to bring their little homie there.
0: To see Giannis and get kicked out.
1: To see Giannis to get kicked out. For some like and it's not even like Giannis getting kicked out. It's just some BS on the fact that why he got kicked out. Like if he did some bull if he smacked the shit out of a rever, if he did oh, some dude. wild shit, yeah, t- send his no, ass out. Send him No out. one's
0: no one's condoning any of that, man. Like no one look, there was a play in Utah. I don't know what I was on, man, but it was it was I think it was Violet Palmer. Like she had missed a call a few plays before I was pissed and I went in and laid the ball in and it was like right at the horn. I thought like it was before the horn. It, in retrospect, it was after the horn and she called the shot no good. As it came down through the net, I punted that shit up into like the second row. Guess what? Guess what, Logan? I got to go. i violence kicked your ass out. <laughs> and, and, I, and guess what? I understood I had to go. So no one's sitting here saying people can't get kicked out. It's what you kick them out for. Right, like if you can walk yeah. away, Violet couldn't walk away from that. I just made a spectacle, like, a, and a mockery of this whole shit. I gotta go, but Giannis yeah. didn't do that. Like, come on, bro, let's like, come on. Let's have a little bit of like, like, using question of sense what do you feel
1: about like the overall stare down though thing, right? Like, stare down gets you ejected or gets you attacked, not ejection gets you attacked. Like, what do you feel about that? Is is that like is that whack? Is that good? Is that, or is it more nuanced than that? Like, should we have a little bit more? Nuance well, when we think about the stare down tech,
0: I understand why they don't want it. They think it'll lead to fights, right? Like they think stare down leads to running your mouth, leads to this, and now we're now we're fighting. And it, the last thing we can want is is to go back to the days where people are brawling and spilling into the stands and, and stuff like that. So I, I understand that, but I th- I think again you've you've got to kind of, and here's why I think playing the game or having played at a high level helps. I don't think not having played at a high level preclude you from doing a good job as a ref. Don't get me wrong. But I think if you played and you can put yourself in that situation, you could say, hey, would that have highly offended me? Did he stare at me long enough to highly offend me? And if you can put yourself in those shoes, you could say, nah, that shit was, I mean, he stared at me a little bit, but I'm not tripping off of that. Keep playing. But when you've never done that and you're around a bunch of giants and you're looking at that shit and you're like, hey, man, like, I don't know. Ah, tech him up. Get him out of here. Like, I, I just, I don't, I don't. So, I, I think it helps to have a little bit of feel, you know, and, and I would bet you, I would bet you that some of the refs that have played basketball at some level, like competitively, because there's some college players in there and there's some dudes, like one of my college teammates is an NBA ref. I think dudes like that will have a little bit more leeway in that situation, I would bet. Let's go from one generational star to another. Another thing Raja did Raja just
1: basically. Took the rundown and was like, "It's mine now." <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> My bad, bro. My bad, bro. My bad.
1: So, one of the things that Ra Ra brought up in the pre pod that I was like, "Let's let's let's dig into this. Let's talk through it." LeBron James had some comments, um, basically saying that if he'd have the same career, whether he went to Miami or not, and Proceeded to lose two games in a row, which is very poetic for this conversation that we're about to have. <laughs> uh, don't cheat the game and it won't cheat you. Um, there's a lot to be to, to dissect on this uh, on this on this subject. One of the things is that I'm just going to throw my opinion out. I'm curious to see your I don't I get what he's saying. I get the the ego that comes with being LeBron James and feeling like you are going to be great regardless of the circumstances. And to his credit, by and large, that has been true. He has been great be- despite his circumstance, as is a life thing for LeBron. However, comma but the lessons that he learned in Miami on how to run a team and how to run an organization is kind of makes him who he is right now. I don't believe that. I just think it's the ego talking, Raja. I think that it's the ego getting ahead of itself a little bit. Too much dip on the chip, not quite that the chip has disappeared, Ra. But there's a little bit, you know. It's just, it's just, it's not enough variance. Not enough, you know. It's not enough. Not a great ratio of the, the ratios. Dip. Not there. Yeah. Not a great dip.
0: What did you think, Ra? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see where you're coming from with the dip on the chip. I think a couple of things can be true in this conversation. Do, do I think that's kind of reckless to, to say that? yeah yes, I do. I think it's slightly reckless because it was a huge part of your career. I mean, you know the mVps the finals mVps, the championships to the point you just made um you know the the culture that was that was let's 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 I, and here, here's what bothered me about the the conversation yesterday. It was either like give the Miami heat their flowers like as if Miami made lebron that that's where I took exception right because the Miami Heat culture was great, but LeBron was a huge part of that. And while he did learn how to win, um, they weren't winning championships like right before he got there. So, like, they were. It bothered me because it was discounting what LeBron meant to the Heat and making it sound as if without the Heat, he wouldn't be anything. See, I don't, I don't see it necessarily just like that. I think the Heat and that part of his career is a huge part of his legacy, right? And and it should be respected by by him, right? I don't think he has to live in a space where he wouldn't be in the goat conversation without the fucking heat. Like, do you know what I am like, like, as if the heat made him, but it certainly helped. And I don't think, you know, and this is where I think he probably wanted to go and really didn't articulate it in, in, in the best way possible, was that, like, if he didn't go for the heat, He was already on the trajectory, um, at at least in terms of skill and whatever, to 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 win championships in another good organization that might not have been the Heat. So, you know, I think that's a little, probably a bit more where he wanted to go with what he was saying. Like, look, yeah, the Heat was dope, but like I could have taken these talents to another great organization and still won championships. Yeah, to Chicago. I can't say that he wouldn't have. Can you dig what I'm saying? So, like, I kind of got mixed emotions. I don't think it's really completely respectful of LeBron to discount his time there. Although, on the flip side, you know, you ain't going to convince me that the Heat made fucking LeBron James. Like, we're not going to do that. They, I, I would just say it's just a, a case of that they needed each other, man. Right? Like, they
1: th- that's fine. And that's okay. Um, and I've always said this, like, LeBron... Is for the streets, right? He's one of those guys that hasn't like tethered himself into an organization or tethered himself to anybody him in, but like his inner circle.
0: He's for the streets. He's been for the
1: streets. LeBron right. is for, okay, like it's for everybody. But um, one of the things that is an underlayer to this is LeBron's relationship to the Heat. Mm-hmm. And his relationship that has been evolved with Pat Riley. We've known just how he left under those circumstances was was a bit murky. And the thing about the thing that's the difference between LeBron and a lot of other guys with the heat, and now LeBron is a big part of heat culture. He is stamped whenever you have a heat culture on that bit on that on the court, he is a part of that. But the big part of heat culture that he was not a part of is the fact that he didn't stay and build it long term. He was somebody that left. And there there are a lot of reasons for that. But there's also going to be a lot of residual stuff. And I see LeBron right now. And this is just an observation, right? He goes hard for these organizations that he may have won championships for, but he is not into the fabric in the way that he thinks he is. And I think there's a bit of an overcompensation to that of like, yeah, I am part of this, but like, no, LeBron, you did you did have one foot in and one foot out for the last, you had your reasons, but you can't have your cake and eat it too. Specifically his relationship with Miami. Like you did a great job there, but you didn't do all the things in my opinion. And I'm sure that this is opinion shared for a lot of people in that front office you didn't finish the job with us. So it's a little murky how you kind of like, you got to kind of chill on how you like talk about us. And I do feel that there's always a, there's always going to be a tension between, and you're in Miami. So I want to get your opinion on it. There is always going to be a tension between the heat and LeBron because of that, they're going to always give each other their flowers, but there's always going to be a little like, I don't know.
0: I think that's fair and well played on your part. I think it's a, it's a, it's a really good explanation of the dynamic there. Um, you know, the, their culture is one of, like, you know, family, longevity. You know, you see Udonis come up through it, and, and you know, now he's in some VP role or something like that. You've seen Alonzo Mourning. Now, guys have left, like D-Wade, but late in the career, and then they wind up coming back in some capacity, you know what I mean, and identifying as a, as a member of the Heat. And, yeah, I, I do think, like, there are people within that organization that if you really ask them – And and got a real true answer. You know they were they were they feel some kind of way about that. And and the time that they had together was great. But I think they feel some kind of way about that. So I think I think you're right. And it's going to be interesting. Like who does LeBron belong to? It's a really crude way to put it. But who does he belong to when it's all said and done? Like who is he Uh, aside from uh, possibly the goat? But as as a as a team, like who identifies? Is he is he the Miami Heat's? Is he is he the Lakers? Is he the Cavs? Probably the Cavs, right? I, I would assume the Cavs, but it's still, even with the Cavs, it's murky, right? It, it, it is. It's a really weird thing for a dude like that. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, and so that's that's an interesting thing. I don't think it really bothers him necessarily. I, I would say this, you know, when I played, and it's probably a poor, it's poor to draw this comparison, but but it's the only thing I have to work with. Like, when I played, I didn't think about that a lot. Like, you know, the the benefit of being in one organization for a long time, like post-career, in terms of, right. like, You know, they identify with me. I'm theirs. Like I'm in that community. I live here. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't see that. I was just bouncing around trying to find, you know, a good fit as a player and financially and shit like that. But when I got done, I was like, man, it would have been cool to to say I played for the Suns for seven or eight years and and be a part of that community and stuff like that. So you know, it's only after guys play sometimes that they realize either a, yeah, that was dope because now. I'm a son for life or a, a calf for life or B, man, I should have maybe given that a little bit more thought because I really don't identify with anyone necessarily.
1: I'm going to, I have a point before I have a question for you. I want to say this. You are, you play for a lot of organizations. You are a Phoenix son. I know this because, you know, whenever I go to Phoenix, it's all Raja, you know, I always get like, <laughs> Oh, Raja. And, I just think, and this is my observation and what I just know about the league and things like that, like the difference between I, the Suns and a, an a, a organization like the Heat or somebody else, it was, was the dysfunction. And there was so much turnover and things like that. I am curious to see your, how your relationship is with the Suns with the new ownership just the stuff that I've seen with them in the new Ring of Honor bringing yeah. you know Dan Marley back, bringing Charles Barkley back and Steve Nash back for the Ring of Honor ceremony and then they're going to they're going to honor Tricks, they're going to honor Amari, just all these guys. I'm very curious to see just and I think you're going back for one of those. I'm not sure, but like
0: I th- well first of all, Matt and Company have done a great job of reaching out to 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 former Suns players and Including us and inviting us out to stuff like there have been some things that I haven't been able to attend because of you know family life and 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 different things that I have going on. But but the reality is, and they are first class in terms of including some of us and stuff going on. And yeah, Tricks Tricks told me about his Ring of Honor, and 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 I'm definitely going to try to make it out there for that. And I do, I guess, for the most part, like there are two teams that I identify with most are the teams that I had the longest tenure with, right? Like it would be the Suns and the Jazz because. You know, I that's where I quite frankly probably had the most success as a player and, and I was able to be a part of their community for an extended period of time. We had homes there. A
1: little bit of the Sixers too. You did go to the finals with I know it was very short, but I mean, damn, like people know you from the Sixers. It was a
0: short run. I was young. I mean, it's always gonna hold a place in my heart and I but but I think if you said, Hey man, of the teams that you played for, who 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 would you say would like you would identify as being you know, like a something for life or something for life, it would probably be the Jazz, you know, and and the Suns. I had homes there. Like I had children there. Like I was a part of their community. Do you know what I mean? I dropped kids off at schools. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. And so then you become part of their community. Uh, I want to get back to LeBron
1: really quickly before we get out of this segment. You talked about like LeBron, and we talked about just like LeBron, like using uh, Miami and... Using is a bad word, but taking the lessons that you learned from Miami in terms of like team building and building a functioning organization and taking it to other places. How many, how did you see that when, because you were there his your only year in Cleveland was his first year back. Sure. How did you see that influence being implemented into his first year in Cleveland when he came back
0: in the 14,
1: 15 season?
0: So that's an interesting question because I didn't have a lot of experience with him prior to to going to the heat, right? So I didn't know what his SOP was like in terms of, you know, being around the building and 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 just basic leadership qualities prior to going to the Heat. Um, but when he came back, you know, um to the Cavs and I was there, it wasn't just LeBron, right? You Mike Miller came with him. James, James Jones came with him. Um so there were multiple cats in there that had just gone through those finals runs and there were huge parts of it that understood um, you know, the way it needed to work. And so I, I think you know, some of the things that I saw from LeBron A was, and I talk about this all the time, LeBron was there and working before anyone else was there and working. And on days when no one else was there and working. And because of my job in the front office, I was always there. So if it was a day off and the players didn't come in, like, obviously, I would know, you know, who was in there lifting. It would be LeBron and some other folks. But, like, he just set a standard with how he worked, you know, and his attention to detail. I saw a commitment to building a family type of atmosphere. Because you were also there, like, really, pre, like, a little pre-LeBron in Cleveland, right? Like, a few months. Like, you could see the difference night and day, right? Absolutely. I started consulting with them pr- prior to that, prior to LeBron coming back. And I and I did see it at the end you know, with, with with Mike Brown and and uh, you know and Kyrie and those guys, and it was, you know, that probably was unfair to all of them because I think at that point everybody was a little checked out, but you know LeBron came in and became, you know, we're going to move together, like in in on the road. You know, I'm coming back from a dinner. I'm on the phone with David Griffin, you know, letting Griff know how practice went and what I talked to David Blatt about and. Giving him like a rundown of where everybody's at. And I hear some commotion out in like the, you know, like say the hotel like courtyard or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm like, hold on, Griff, let me see what's going on over there. And it's LeBron and the rest of the team out there, you know, eating with a few bottles of wine, just talking and hanging out, doing things that that bond the team and, and keep people connected. Do you know what I mean? Like breakfasts were like that at uh, you know, at hotels. Like there was a there was a lot more community and i think that had a huge part to do with lebron and quite frankly you know david griffin and company as a front office were echoing that too right so you know i saw him with that um, accountability like lebron was never afraid I, he he's not a guy that's always yelling and 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 raising his voice and in someone's face but certainly 100% willing to do it when need be and so it doesn't lose its effect because when he's talking to you like there's a reason he's talking to you. Do you know what I mean? And and so those are just some of the things that I saw. But I don't think they're any different or you know, it's not like a proprietary thing to the Heat. Like that's what that's what good teams and championship organizations do. That's the culture that everyone's seeking to try to develop. It's just interesting
1: because you caught him at a time when like he was kind of coming into his age as a, as an adult, right? Like where in Cleveland, he was kind of developing that his first in Cleveland. And I think like to bring it back to Miami it just seems like they were just they they met each other at the right moment, right? Where they like that's why I always say they needed each other. Like Miami needed his talent to get over the hump and he, I think he kind of just needed that that he calls it a college experience and I and I totally get that. I under I I could totally get that. You with your homies and you're also just learning different just lessons throughout the throughout the way, right? Like I I could see that. It's funny that you talk about just the wine and like the, 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 the hangouts because, and you also, it it made me think as soon as you said that, uh, that team meetings aren't in concrete rooms, they are in restaurants with wine and food. And now that's how stuff gets resolved. If it, you know, that's how stuff gets handled how important is that? We didn't talk about that a lot. And well, I know this is just a quick aside, but like how important is just that as opposed to like, we don't cause my, my purview and I'm thinking about the, the Chicago thing, right? I'm thinking about like the team meeting after one game. It's like, I don't even know you like that talking to players right there. We're having yeah. a, a try, we're going to have like a team meeting. I don't even know you guys like
0: that. I, yeah. Like I just, what is well, the difference between the two types of, uh, of approaches? Huge. And I was really blessed, right? Because I, I played on, for the most part, you know, either good teams or or well-run organizations where, you know, most of the teams I played on, I experienced that. You know, I came right into Philly and, you know, Eric Snow would have me over to his crib on a holiday because he knew I was there solo and I didn't have family. Or, you know, Aaron McKee, if something was going on, would, would have me with him. Dikembe would have me and and some of the other young players out to dinner on the road, teaching us what was going on or buying us suits and stuff like that. Like I had a bunch of people do that and, and just kind of, you know, open, open up their worlds to us, which made us feel part of their family. Do you know what I mean? Like in, in Dallas, it was the same way. Um, guys, guys would just be doing things together and including wives and, 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 and significant others and, and, You know, family. And so you become family. When you share your family and you open your home, you become family. Phoenix was probably my best situation like that. I mean, we rolled as a group of, I mean, I look through pictures every now and again, man, and look at like New Year's Eve stuff and Christmas stuff. And, you know, before I had kids, Steve Nash's little girls were like who I spent Christmases with. Do you know what I mean? Like my wife and I were there with Steve and his wife and the girls. Or like Brian Grant. I talked to his son Elijah the other day on, on Instagram. Like, those were our that, that that's what made Cindy and I want to be parents, being around all mm-hmm. of them and, and rolling in groups of 20, watching older couples in the NBA and how they navigated it. And, 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 you know, we became family. You know what I mean? Utah, the same. Utah was interesting. I know this wasn't my story time, but I'll turn it into this. When I got to Utah, all their older guys had left, like, stock had just retired. And Carl Malone was on the Jazz. So there was this void of leadership. And in that void, like, we kind of collectively as a group of young people that were either just newly married or thinking about getting married. We're all out there together trying to find our way. So we just, like, closed ranks. And we did a lot of stuff together. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, we just moved together. And so, again, we weren't great. We missed the playoffs. But we were family. Now, I've been mm. in other situations like Charlotte when I first got there. Bunch of young players not a ton of locker room leadership where I didn't hang out with a lot of dudes. Like we didn't do a lot of stuff together. But as more people started coming into that organization that had been in winning environments, guess what started to happen, Logan? Start,
1: start winning, start yeah. coming yeah. together.
0: I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't there for the majority of the winning, but I was there for the start of the build, which was, hey yeah. man, we're going out. Like, listen, we're going to dinner, seven of us. We're all going out. Like nobody cares who pays. Yeah. We're going to throw our card in a, in, a, in a hat and we'll play like roulette. Yeah, because if I get it this time, you know you'll get it next time. We're not tripping off for none of that, and so that's how it starts to build, you know. And those are yeah. that's when that's when you look across, you know, the court, and you say, you know what, man, I'll give up three to four points tonight because because Logan's got to Logan's got to eat, or he got better shot than me. Like that's how you get that's how you get any little bit of selfishness out of your blood, and you want to do for somebody.
1: That's what's up, man. Let's take a quick break, and I do want to talk keep on this subject about how a locker room can get galvanized on the next segment. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
0: Cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. Yeah, so tonight, I'm going to take Atlanta. I think they're laying three and a half. I'll take them to cover, as well as the Bucks who are laying three and a half to Indiana. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And we are back. Roger
1: has made fun of me during the break because the breaks are kicking my ass
0: right now. Kicking my ass. <laughs> let me let me just say though, I couldn't do it, so I'm not judging. But it is <laughs> it is funny. You just the they can't see you, but the look on your face is like a little uncomfortable look as you as you're like, yeah. Are we we're going yeah. to break? Are we going to we're going to, we're going to um, let's go to break? We'll go to break.
1: Damn! Wow, we're here. But what I want to talk about <laughs> is just galvanizing the locker room, and that makes me think about the Sixers. Uh, just to start this season, they've won six straight, including a huge win over the Celtics who were playing really good coming into the night. Or they've won six straight since James Harden has left. I want to just talk about, I don't have the stats in front of me. Quite frankly, I haven't watched a ton of Sixers. But I want to talk about how someone who has been polarizing in your locker room, once that said person leaves, how that can galvanize said locker room, brah. How do you think that Just not even James Harden the person, because I know that there are anecdotal uh, examples of him helping out that locker room. Tyrese Maxey doesn't have a bad word to say about James Harden Um, there, but just the overall um, figure that he has been and the overall just storyline that it has been. What is it like for a locker room when that is out of the picture? Because before the season, you said if he leaves, they might go on a little run. They might do some things. How is that helping them during this first stretch of the season?
0: Because of his style of play at times, you know, obviously Maxi is going to get to flourish a little bit more. You see that in his uptick in, in points per game and a little bit more room for him to kind of grow and feel through trial and error who he's going to ultimately be in the league. I think you see Tobias Harris is, is able to produce a little bit more offensively in that absence. And, and quite frankly, you know, Joel Embiid probably has the ball in his hands a little bit more. I think you know he's averaging assists more this year than he was last year, and so you know that's just kind of on the court stuff. You know Kelly Oubre is playing well, like there is some, but you know it's kind of psychological, man. Like you are, you don't have to not like James Harden or feel like James Harden's been a bad teammate um, or disagree with the way he's handled it to to be negatively affected by the distraction of it. It it can be it can be heavy. It can be you know, a palpable thing. Like when you're coming into the locker room and there's this air of just kind of stress and uncertainty, um, you know, you can feel that. And so as long as it exists, you you might not even know that you're feeling it, but it's there. It's just covering, covering, you know, the locker room and and it's just kind of consuming people in a way that you're like, man, something just doesn't feel great. And then if you can get rid of that, It feels like you're breathing clean air versus you know polluted air. I don't know. It's a bad analogy. But the point is, it doesn't have to be like James Harden's a bad dude and he sucks and we disagree with it necessarily. But the distraction of what's going on and the stress level that it's creating and the anxiety that's around, maybe from the people up top, and it filters all the way down to the locker room, can be kind of hard to overcome at times. And when you free that up, and now people are having fun, like the best teams I was on, that shit didn't feel like work. Right. We, were, we weren't coming in there answering dumb questions about somebody wanting to trade and, hey, man, what what are you going to have to do when this happens? And, hey, man, what do you guys think? That wasn't – we were just out there vibing, having a good time, doing what I talked yeah. about in the last segment, like, you know, hanging out, kicking it, having a good time with our families. And when we came to work, it was just an extension of that. So we, yeah. we weren't – there weren't any distractions to really worry about. Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, like, my when you talk about this, like, you know,
1: the team in my backyard, like, who – um, You know, last year, you know, had to just even just think about, like, the maintenance of, you know, keeping a team together, talking about the Warriors, T- keeping a team together under, like, yeah. wild circumstances. And I see them, like, the first three weeks of this year, and I just go in their locker room, and I'm just like, oh, y'all like each other. Like, oh, you got, like, the, the locker room is just It'll tell you everything you need to know. Locker room tells no lies. If you go in a locker room, you know exactly what the team is like and how they function and how they like sure. each other or don't like each other, and it that is really palpable. And that is the that's the the, the difference between wins and losses in a lot of ways, right? On a on a night to night basis, just if you will if you Absolutely. will hold
0: your people down, you know, in a, in a game. Absolutely. Look, I mean. Again, I, I, the only thing I have to draw on is, is personal experience. So, I guess if, if you're listening, like this is, this is real talk. Like, most people in the Utah locker room with me at the end, if you ask them what they thought of me, they'd be like, man, Roger's a good dude. What are you talking about? Like, Roger's straight. Like, I still talk to Gordon Hayward. They would still probably tell you, if they were being forthright and honest, that what was going on between me and Tyrone Corbin at that time was a real fucking distraction. Do you know what I mean? And that would be fair also. And yeah. I was still a good dude and my teammates liked me and I had a good time with them. But the other shit that was going on with the organization and me was, you know, we weren't great at the time. So it wasn't prohibiting us from 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 winning any championship, but it was prohibiting them from being as good as they could be because it was a distraction. How do you... I don't even know how you... Is it... I don't know. Is it just serendipitous timing?
1: Like, what... Is it a mindset from everyone that we're going to build a good culture? Like, what is the what do you have to do to build that? Like, what do you have to do it to build it consistently? Like, because I think about, let me, let me take it to like James Harden for a second, right? With James Harden, it's like you knew the job was dangerous when you took it every time for every team post-Houston Rockets, right? Mm-hmm. So for a guy like Darryl Murray or to bring, I, I get why he brings his guy in, but how much do you have to like weigh that when you are trying to get talent. Like, it's not just Hall of Fame talent. It has to be Hall of Fame. lock. And it's, those players are so rare. I know this. But, like, when you're bringing someone into the fold, you how much due diligence do you have to do, not just with their games? It has to be with all these other things
0: as well, right? A huge amount of due diligence. A huge... the. There were people, when I was with the Cavs, that we were trying to sign. Because, if you remember, when LeBron came back, you know, that roster was going to... That roster was going to change. Like we, you know, we still had Deion Waiters. Um, there were some other pieces there that ultimately that roster was going to move around a little bit for us to get the pieces that we wanted. So there were multiple people that we would target, and people would ask me, Hey, man, what do you think about this particular player coming in? Or what do you think about that player coming in? Or I would take a player to them, right? And the process of vetting that player, not his on court, like you can look at the film and see that. But I've spoken to this a little bit. Like we dig into the personnel files of everybody scout that's been at your building that's affiliated with us, and and what they've written about you on any given night, going back to as far as they started writing Googled about you. Did you Google yourself on the scout on the scout thing once? I did. That was some real bullshit, and it was some real bullshit. And we, quite frankly, I've had conversations with them about that. Like you can't you can't just rely on on what you read in those things because I showed them mine. And I was like, "Look, you guys know me. Does this look right?" They were like, "No, that ain't right." So, but anyway, I digress. I mean, my point is, w- there were people that we didn't bring in because you said, "Hey, our locker room can't handle that right now. Whatever it is, it's not it's not set up to handle that." Or you'd be like, "Yo, we could really use that in the locker room to help us handle what we currently have. Like that right. is a solution to some of this type of stuff." And so, being able to identify that. And get the, you know, the the chemistry equation correct is, is why some GMs are great and some aren't. Because it's not just about talent acquisition. It's really not. Like you got to get the recipe of personalities right. You got to get the, the 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 recipe of good dudes to bad dudes. Uh Kobe Altman and David Griffin like to use the terms fountains and drains. Like fountains are guys that come into your organization and they provide energy and they provide Character and they're and they're they're just this fountain of of good stuff, and drains are guys that are sitting over in a corner, just you know like just pulling it out of the organization and you can have a drain, especially a talented drain, but you can only have but so much of it if you don't have enough fountains, you know, and so it is a really tricky equation now, where I think you know that one got interested is Daryl morey's relationship with James in the past, right, and some of those dudes. You know, you take for granted that a guy's running, you know, this billion dollar corporation, that every decision he makes is like rooted in in brilliance and there it's it's the right move. And some of those dudes have egos too. So I'm I don't know this for certain, but I think Daryl Moore is probably in a situation where he was looking at it because you couldn't help but look at it and be like, he's been dysfunctional the last two stops. It didn't it didn't end well here and it didn't end well in in Brooklyn and I, as Daryl Morey, who knows James Harden, I have to acknowledge that. But I, as Daryl Morey, feel like I, you know, can get can get the best out of him and it won't happen to me. Do you know what I mean? And so your ego gets involved and you think you're the one that can make it right. And it, it ain't make it right.
1: It's such a tricky, tough organization, like just way of going about things, bro. Because everything is a puzzle and talent is so tantalizing, bro. And you, talent is one of those things where you can talk yourself every single time into doing it. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. We'll do it. Um, it's just... It's it's really a, a, a tough thing to, to do.
0: It, it is tough, but I'll tell you like this. I, my middle son, Ty, I just took him to another high school to play basketball because I I, I believe it should be... I, I believe that there should be universal rules for dudes. That's what I want him in. I want him in a situation where he looks around and he's like, yo, if that shit could happen to me, it could happen to Logan too. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I... I don't I don't think he needs to know that yet. As you get to ages and millions of dollars are on the table, um, you get to a professional level where it's where it's entertainment and you're trying to win championships and you're but but at the lower levels, and this is just a, a rant for me, at the lower levels, I think we're doing kids a disservice with that shit. Cause we're doing that to them at a young age now. Where we're like, yo, you're talented, so we're gonna let you slide. You can act like a fool.
1: I mean, I think we're seeing that a lot with like how these young kids go, become stars, right? Like, even it's, it. I think, and I'm going to get into my rant bag. I do think the AAU culture and the way like stars are treated or like presumed stars are treated at at the high school level is starting to rear its head on the NBA level. You guys can can deduce who I'm talking about. I don't really care, but I, I will just say you can see that and it's eroding like our the, the next level of stars that we have. Right. Like, and I know it's rare to have generational players, but we have generational talents in the league right now that because they don't take it seriously and they are from that culture, they're fucking it up for themselves, but also just like the growth of the game. It's my ranch.
0: Yeah, no, that, I, I agree with you. And there's got to be, you know, the old saying: "There's no honor, am- uh, no, no honor amongst thieves." There needs to, there needs to be. Thieves need to get together and and create some fucking code of honor because if if that talent right wasn't able to hold anybody hostage, then guess what that talent would have to do? Was that it would have to get right? It would have to cut the bullshit. It would then understand that this isn't acceptable anywhere. Like people don't operate like this. And, you, and then, like, this is, the, this is what I was telling this man's coach, you would actually be helping that talent because when it gets to its next stop, it's not going to be slapped in the face by the reality of you can't operate like that at this level. And, but we, don't, we do it a disservice when we let talent hold us hostage at the lower levels. Like, that's, that's not the way it's supposed to work. All to, to win 40 games in the NBA, <laughs> you know, like,
1: at, like, at, at maximum.
0: Yeah, but I'm, yes, but I'm not even talking about the NBA. I'm talking about our youth basketball culture and and what it's turned into is, is just kind of septic. Like, look, man, talent at 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 years old shouldn't be holding any grown men fucking hostage. Like, I'm saying that definitively. And shame on you if you letting it hold you hostage. That's not the way this shit's supposed to work. Straight like that. I want to talk really quickly before we get out of here. One of my favorite
1: players to watch, and I think one of yours as well, Anthony Edwards, Mm. seems to be kind of taking that leap. Um, Look at his stats really quickly. 27 a game, six rebounds, five assists. Raja, I've been telling you this for a long time. I think Anthony Edwards is is one of the, the best young talents. He just has one of the best young mindsets in the league. He's one of my favorite players to watch. But I always was like, man. How is he going to like take that? Like, when is he going to take the reins as the franchise star? Right, mm-hmm. he is the guy. It's very clear he's the guy. It was that a few years ago when he wouldn't take the shot. But you're like Anthony Edwards, just take the shot, bro. Take the shot. This is your team. Do it. Stop deferring. How long? And I know you could you could speak to this just being around these stars, but like, how long does it take? And what are the factors that? It it that has to go into finally just seeing that for yourself. That like I have the talent, but I need to like I need to learn these things to get to the next level of stardom and the next level of
0: where I want to get to to be the face of this organization. First of all, it starts with like just a silly amount of God given talent and then a work ethic to match. Like you have to be committed to continuing to grow as a player. You can't be the same dude after a year or two. Um, that you were when you came into the league. There's got to be an, a, a progression of skill set um, and 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 mindset, right? And you know, typically when you come in as a gifted player like that, you're probably like a, a singular force where everyone can see the talent and the stats oozing out of you, right? You're producing them every night. But as you continue to grow and you continue to evolve, you become a force multiplier where not only are you doing that. You are making everyone around you better in some capacity. Do you know what I mean? You start to learn how to lift the people around you to a level that allows them to compliment you in a way that produces wins. You know, you grow into those moments. You saw LeBron do it where. You know, he caught a lot of shit early in his career for not wanting to shoot shots at the end of the game. And LeBron's like, hey, man, I'm just making the right basketball play. And he's arguing in the media back and forth. And people are like, yeah, but you got to shoot that. Like, sometimes there's trial and error and he with still
1: that. does the same thing. Like, he's like, I'm still making the right basketball play. Like, I saw the other night where he passes to Cam Reddish for
0: three for the win. Right. And, and listen, still. LeBron believes that that's part of, of his way to force multiply, which is like, I'm empowering dudes around me To do that, like I trust them in those moments, so I'm gonna let them eat in those moments, and and it'll bear fruit eventually, and I and I think it has. Um, Defensively, man, like not every superstar is uh is blessed with the ability to to guard, but when you've got ant's size, explosion, like explosiveness, like twitch combination like you should be able to affect the game like Kobe and MJ and 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 those dudes when they when they you know were young like those dudes would sit down and strap up you know they were all defensive type of players not 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 that he'll necessarily be that but you ain't just doing it on the offensive end if you can understand what I'm saying Logan and so you know that that's how a guy continues to get better man he continues to work he continues to improve his game from a skill set perspective he he continues to 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 mature mentally and understand that it's not just about him and the numbers that he's creating for himself but it's about you know him being able to help others create numbers that help the organization win you know how does he comport himself like is he in into some bullshit like is is there always a headline like can he be the face Of this franchise, um, like as a CEO type of person, like that's a real thing. Like, do we trust him in that way? You know, like those are all things that go into it and there's a natural kind of arc and an evolution to it. But in terms of on the court, I think you've seen a very quick ascension to like, no, man, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a place right now where we could, we could do this. Now, I don't think they win a championship, but I think you're seeing a dude right now who, who's got a lot of those boxes checked. You know, like I still think there are some things, you know, that have to happen organizationally and so on and so forth. That's for another pod. But I think he's had a quick rise to that level of of human being and teammate. Like the skill set was always kind of there. It will continue to get better. But you've seen you've seen the maturation of of a young man that uh,
1: that's been pretty rapid him being a superstar or him going into being a superstar unlocks the whole, it makes, it validates all the moves that the Minnesota Timberwolves have made. Even like, you know, the Rudy Gobert move and all these things. Cause Rudy Gobert wasn't traded to actually be a superstar. It was traded to be a complimentary piece. Now you can Mm -hmm. say, you know, they traded a boatload of picks. I get that, but no one's talking about that. If Anthony Edwards becomes a superstar and puts everybody in their place. Now Rudy Gobert is going to be Rudy Gobert. Cat is going to be cat, but if they can do, this and continue to do this and be good on the defensive end and man there's just so much dog and 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 ant-man bro there's just so much dog in him even on the defensive end now he could there's a lot of things he can improve on but it's just i just want to give i just want to give that in flowers right like even if it's it don't got to be a long segment but
0: like it's he is one of those dudes he should get him and for 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 like you know we ain't always been great about i mean i I think we've been semi fair. We've made a mistake here or there, but like when talking about Minnesota, like they like they should get some flowers. He should get some flowers
1: for sure. Let's uh, let's go to ruin of the week, mm. Raja. I've had a week to stew on my ruin of the week, and I, you guys asked me about this person and this team um, earlier in the week, and I was still kind of processing it. But I'm giving it to the Oakland, Las Vegas, Los Angeles Raiders, and it's more specifically Antonio Pierce. He is my ruin of the week. I was, I've just been scouring the internet and the YouTubes for just content on this guy. And I'm, as a coach, I didn't really like him as a player, but I do really like him as a coach. And he's a guy from Compton who, he was just speaking my language in one of the pressers. Like, I'm a dude from Compton. I I listen to NWA. This (laughs) is why (laughs) I've been a Raider my whole life. And I'm like, yes, I, I, you're cut from that same cloth, I understand I was the same I was the kid of that movement. He is a generation before me. He's probably of my father's ilk, right? Just like the what the Raiders used to be, right and I don't know what the Raiders are going to do i quite frankly, I don't care. I don't care what the record is, but i just I, I like what I'm hearing from him and also shout out to Long Beach Polly, who beat the shit out of Compton High School. I think it was on the same weekend as Antonio Pierce. A Long Beach Poly alumni alumni won his first game. They beat him ninety nine to nine. It was ridiculous, oh, and I don't f- like giving Long Beach Poly credit because I'm a Berkeley High grad. That's and a I, football score. I just score? don't do that. That's a football score. yes. ninety nine like to nine over Compton High School. Um, I just. Yeah, that's, it's ridiculous, yeah. and I don't like giving Long Beach Poly their flowers. And everybody who knows, shout out to Doc, shout out to Jason Jones, shout out to Mike G. Y'all know where I stand. I, I, but I do got to give y'all y'all flowers. Um, I, I, I got to give it to you guys. But Antonio Pierce for the Oakland Las Vegas L.A. Raiders. Let's go for let's go for two in a row. <laughs> let's get it. Let's get some. Let's get like some that. wins. I like that. Listen,
0: if you ever played against my teams, I'm not a huge believer in like. If we're, if we're beating you and my backups get a chance to play that they go out there and I literally don't give them a chance to play because I tell them they can't score or whatever, like those kids work really hard too, and they deserve a chance to play. So I'm going to keep playing, but 99 to nine. Whoa, (laughs) you blew me away with that one. Anyway, anyway, let me, um, let me just say this. I have two real ones of the week. Um, I've been very blessed, um, in a lot of ways, uh, but first and foremost in, in the family that I've been blessed with, um, from top to bottom, uh, grandparents, great grandparents, all the way down to my children. I've been super blessed and I've been equally as blessed with the extended family that I've been able to unfortunate, been fortunate enough to kind of have in my life. And so the, I'm giving two real ones to two young ladies. They're my extended family who both signed their national letters of intent yesterday um one is taylor durkak uh she will be attending umass next year to play women's basketball she's currently at colonia new jersey she's going to be the player of the year up there and break all kind of records um so shout out to her real one of the week for 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 her commitment to umass you know women's basketball and the other one is down here in pembroke pines florida near and dear her name is sage Carey. She's an excellent soccer player, uh, and she will be playing, and she signed her letter of intent, and I got to attend the ceremony yesterday to the University of Miami. It's all about the Canes. It's all about the U. So she will be attending University of Miami next year to play soccer, Um, and it was really cool to be a part of her ceremony yesterday, and I'm grateful and thankful, and they're both my real ones of the week.
1: That is fire. I saw the pictures from that. Shout out to them. I saw the, the pictures from the U. That was that was what's up. Yeah. Also, have to add to that. This is going to be adding to the road. It's going to be a long road of the week. I don't care. Um, to my dog, Ty Boogie, Happy Birthday,
0: Champ! Oh yes, sir! Oh yes, sir! Happy Wait a Birthday, minute. dog! Oh, Jesus Christ! Jesus! Ty, Jesus. Ty don't I didn't I I do it. it. Yeah, I, appreciate I, had it. It. <laughs> I had to do that, dog. I had to hold my dog down.
1: I had to hold my dog down. I was waiting for it, but I'm oh, like, damn! You thought that's where I was, was going? I was waiting for it, but oh, I had to hold my wow. dog down. God, dog, Jeez. yeah, man! Happy
0: birthday, man! That boy's cut from good shit, man, and I, don't, I don't yeah. mean, I, I again got nothing to do with me, man. That dude, he gets it. Like he's Young he's G,
1: yeah, he gets it. So I have some uh, some updates to the 99.9 story that did not happen over the weekend. That ha- they did beat Compton High School. Uh, uh, Long Beach probably did beat Compton High School. Jesus, I can't believe I'm talking about Long Beach Poly this much. But anyway, (laughs) Long Beach Poly did beat in High School, but the the 99.9 actually happened. And I'm reading the Long Beach Press-Telegram from my guy Mike G out there in Long Beach. Tap in with him, 562.org. We see you. But it happened in 2014 when Antonio Pierce was the coach
0: Um, of Long
1: Beach Poly. uh. (laughs) And, and one of the things that 99. he said, he said he was like, I don't know. We were, he he was like, we ran the ball the whole second half. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Like I just, I don't know. It was the it was the biggest wing in Long Beach Poly history since 1921. That's what happened, and that surfe, sur, that story resurfaced. Um, so you just you just want to huh? go tackle nothing, huh? You want to go tackle nothing. Yeah man, yeah right. man. Shout out to Jesus. Shout out to Long Beach Polly, man. Shout out to yeah. Anyways, that's that's enough of that talk with the jackrabbits. Ain't nobody trying to hear all of that. Um, <laughs> we'll see you guys on Monday, <laughs> motherfucking Mondays with Howard, motherfucking Beck. Mm-hmm. Tap in, talk, all, talk, talk to y'all soon. Jesus, come on, mm-hmm, come mm-hmm. on, Logan. Let's, stumble let's get to it. the, the transition. Tap bumbling. in, ah ah ah, all the shits. See you guys next week. Bye. Must be 21 years and older and president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star. Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 533 42 in Arizona, 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it in Indiana, 1 800 522 4700, or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1 877 770 Stop in Louisiana, visit MD Gambling Help. Dot org in Maryland, visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia, or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling or visit one eight hundred three two seven five zero five zero for twenty four seven support in Massachusetts, or call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny in New York.